All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Legitimus Podcast here on uh, the beginning of December. Hard to believe it's December already, but time is sure flying. Um, oh, shit. We have a very special podcast going on here today. This is going to be a lot of fun. We are very excited for this as we have ourselves a special guest in the axe world. And this is going to be a little bit different for us. Uh, but we found, uh, as Roy and I were talking, we wanted to try and branch out into the axe world a little bit. Obviously, we talk about history a lot. We talk about what we have going on. But there's a lot more in the axe world and the axe community than maybe what a lot of us uh, historian guys and guys that work and restore the axes. There's a lot more going on. So our special guest today that we have with us is Mr. John Bradley, who is a professional competitive axe thrower in the scene today. So we're very excited to have him. John, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what's going on? Hey, guys, how are you today? Uh, I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, competitive axe throwing has been my life for about three years now. So if you guys aren't comp- familiar with competitive axe throwing, somebody basically took a set of rules, wrote them down on a piece of paper, put it inside. So there's uh, multiple organizations opening up all over the country where you just need a couple uh, two-by-tens and a target stencil, and you're good to go. There's different sets of rules where you have lines set up, target rings, and different scoring, but it's all generally the same. The only difference between what, you know, drinking at the bar and a stump in the backyard. <laughs> we can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, like there's a stump in the backyard. Just start chucking it. Somebody wrote down the rules. You know, baseball, basketball, football, all those. The difference between in the backyard and professional is somebody just wrote down the rules. That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. So, hey, um, I know I, I know a little bit about this stuff. I'm not saying that I'm an expert or anything, but um, having dealing with flying axes and a couple of other axe throwing venues, um, can you explain to me the difference between Waddle and that other organization? I don't even know what they're called. It's like some ITF. Yeah. I don't know so- what it is. Yeah, so there's two organizations happening right now, uh, the International Axe Throwing Federation okay. and the World Axe Throwing League. The difference okay. is two dudes wrote down two different sets of rules. So there is the fault lines are slightly different, mm-hmm. and also the targets are slightly different. But in general, bullseye is a bullseye. It doesn't. They're just okay. two guys that wrote down different sets of rules. It's one bullseye's value is six, the other one's five. Uh, and then they have a clutch or a kill shot, which is that little dot that you saw down at the forge. Mm-hmm. That's up to the right. One's worth is seven, one worth is eight. So at the end of the day, I feel like AML and the NFL, eventually the rules are going to come together. Oh, so and the- ITF has Big Axe, which is a uh, boy's axe that you use for a tiebreaker. Interesting. So did those two organizations kind of uh, get formed around the same time? Like all this stuff just kind of merged together. And like one day axe throwing was just a bunch of lumberjack, you know, guys like timber sport stuff. And then the next day there's freaking venues everywhere. Um, it happened. It literally happened overnight. So the, Yes and no. So in 2006, the guy that founded IATF, Matt Wilson, 
he actually created his organization called Battle, B-A-T-L, Backyard Axe Throwing League. Him and a bunch of buddies. <laughs> that sounds real professional. <laughs> yeah. Him and a bunch of buddies just used to get drunk in their backyard. Their landlord didn't care. They would just throw in the backyard. And about three years, four years later, they said that they <clears throat> were told it was causing too much of a ruckus because every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they were out back throwing axes in their yard till three, four in the morning. And then 2016 is basically where the thing caught fire. That's when Battle created the IATF. So they went from just being a small guy owning target boards to creating a real organization. And then in 2017, the World Axe Throwing League was created. And you just had head-to-head between the two of them creating locations all over the world. So I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot here or anything, like saying which one's better or which one's whatever. But which one is – which one seems to be more popular right now? Which one has more – more uh, competitors, you know, more uh, competitions nationally, and that sort of stuff. Sort of, sort of a coin flip. Uh, World Axe Throwing League is larger by venue numbers, mm-hmm. but I think IATF has actual more throwers, so more people compete competitively in league for IATF, where World Axe Throwing League just has more venues. Which is okay. better? I really don't care. I like throwing axes. I actually like that they're slightly different because I mean I hold fortunate to hold titles in one and the other. You're so, a title holder. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it either, man. I mean, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm just so. Hey, Miller. Um, so whenever we're talking about um, uh, what what was your intro? Competitive axe, professional competitive axe, or John Bradley right. has won several competitions he's been on espn he's he's like the real the real deal so uh just giving you a little bit of back history there this is uh, definitely a important and uh different day in the history of the podcast john my first question then that i have <laughs> seeing that it. you are in fact a champion professional <laughs> competitive axe thrower once you have won what like what's your reward? Like do you get a belt? Like a WWF belt? Like <laughs> oh, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> do you want me to go get my belt? Oh, please don't. <laughs> oh, no, no. But I but I did bring the big ass ring out here for you guys. Yes. He's got a ring. All right. Red, white, and blue, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So the ring weighs, I don't know, about four ounces of silver. Jeez Louise. <laughs> it's Does bigger it make- than a soup. Like so every I, I, every time you put that on your finger, does it make your head just swell up a little bit bigger where you can't walk through a freaking doorway? You're like, oh my god, how do I get in here? Not really, because it's too big for my hand. I had to put hockey tape on it to. Uh, oh god, just make like sure those <laughs> <laughs> like girls do in freaking high school when they wear their boyfriend's class ring. Yep. <laughs> gotta That's do what you gotta cool. do. Did you did you put uh, fingernail polish on there? So it seals up the uh, the, <laughs> the thread on. <laughs> oh man, I haven't thought about that, but I could. Yeah, it's a good it's a good little tip. Uh, my sisters used to do that. Anyway, 
So let's get, I got some basic questions and for a guy that doesn't know anything about the whole axe throwing scene. So give, give everybody like the rundown of like what that sort of like the venue and the process looks like. Like how far away are you? What kind of hatchet slash axe are we throwing? What's the, what's the requirements? What's that scoring system look like? Like how many throws do you guys get? Like walk us through that general process. So if you just want to go in with a bunch of buddies, Generally, you do a group of six or more at a venue, or limited times during the week, they do walk-in hours, so you just go in for an hour, walk-in, pay anywhere from 20 to $40 per person. They'll provide you an X. You, most of them are BYO, so you bring a six-pack, you go have a good time. The axes you're throwing there are cheap. <laughs> They're garbage. Yeah. Um, S-Wing, Harbor Freight, Cold Steel. These are the only time you'll ever hear those names mentioned on this podcast. Um, Doesn't Waddle have their own hatchets now? Uh, I don't even want to talk about that yet. All right. That's, never mind. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, forget it. about them, so I don't want to throw them under the bus. All right. Uh, so you go in there, set up your time, and you bring a group of friends. Generally, the coaches are very energetic. They uh, play games with you. So when you first get there, it's not exactly about competitive throwing. It's about just getting you to stick. And once you stick, then all bets are off. You get okay. there, and it's generally five throws per side and 15 throws per round. So it's two or three sets of five throws for the IATF. In WATL, it's two sets of five throws. So if Roy and I are playing, we go for the bullseye at the same time. So there's two targets set up with the, the, the rings bullseyes worth five or six. And then you can go for the kill or clutch shot on the fifth throw. We both go for the targets. We throw simultaneously and then Best two out of three or best of two, depending on which organization you're throwing in. Uh, the hatchets, there's specifications for each league. Uh, World Axe Throwing League is, there's a little more vague. Can't weigh more than three pounds. Blade length cannot be more than four and a quarter. But if you have a wood handle, the head can't be more than two pounds. Handle length, minimum was 12, maximum 19. And then the IATF, they have, for the hatchet, has to be wood handle, blade length, maximum 4 inches, minimum pound and a quarter head weight, maximum pound and three quarter head weight. For the big axe, boys axe tiebreaker, it's maximum of uh, minimum of 25 inch handle, two and a quarter to two and three quarter head weight. Now the head weight can be lost depending on who you're talking to. Like Roy, if you're redoing an X, yeah, just throw it on a scale, take a photo of it, send it to the guy. No, that was that was going to be my question. Like, how do you how do you verify that? Then the other one is right now like. Uh, Council Tools Boys X says it's two and a quarter. Mm -hmm. That's what we go with. So 
there could be variation. It could be a little over. It could be a little under just because of the forging process and all that. But you go by the listed head weight. But if you are rehanging it, we always just take a photo of it on a scale. That's a uh, you're uh, never, you're just putting a whole lot of a whole lot of weight into the honor system on that one. I mean, I don't know if they're like big cheaters or anything, or if it, like it's, if it's to your advantage to have a heavier or a lighter one. I don't know. It's all about the person, and the there's very few people that could call out uh, specific acts because most people don't understand. They don't collect. They don't have a wall of axes. They don't study the axes. They don't know every ounce of axe. They just know, oh, that looks about right. It's fine. It seems a little confusing that they would specify head weight versus total total weight and everything. It just seems like whatever the total weight is, you're good. So I think that comes from people just not knowing axes that they saw. <laughs> they 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 went to the they went to the store. Uh, yeah. They originally started with Show Pros or Shop Pro. It's it's Shop R O. I don't know how do I pronounce it, but they were listed as a pound and a half. I think that they just saw that and went, all right, let's go up a quarter, go down a quarter. That way we can have a range. Because you see, there's Collins axes available now that say a pound and a quarter. Then you have. Uh, boys axes, which are two and a quarter. Some of them, like, I think it's Grant from Canada, or Grant, they have a two and a half. So depending on what company is available, that's kind of, I think they just saw those and just went with it, not knowing that the huge variation that could happen if you do take it off versus overall weight rather than just head weight. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. What kind of distance are we talking then from the thrower to the target? So World Axe Throwing League has a 12-foot line. Uh, plug right here. So if you guys are available Sunday <laughs> afternoon at 1 p.m., it is going to be on ESPN. I hope to make it again. Uh, if I don't, I'll be cheering in the background. But if not, so you'll see a 12-foot line on for the World Axe Throwing League. This rule will be changing next week. Uh-oh. They, when they made the rule, they didn't realize that it was so vague that I can fall through the line and get about three feet closer by basically almost falling on my face and throwing. So now it's just going to be 12 feet. You have to throw the action 12 feet. IATF, which has the hatchet and big axe, it's 15 feet, but you can take one step. So you end about 10 feet for the hatchet away. And then the other one is 19, and you can take one step, so you end about 16 or 17. So the big axe, you're about 17 feet away. Hatchet, you're about 10 feet away. So basically then, like, when you start, you're lined up at whatever length, and you said 12 foot, 19 foot, and then you could actually take a step. So... Like, I'm thinking me versus Roy. Like, God, Roy you're is, a giant. Roy's, you know, eighth grade step versus, Shit. versus my six foot three step. So is that like considered? Is that like put into, or is that just, hey, it is what it is? So you'd both actually have to adjust on your own. The lines are going to be hard lines. So if you need to start, you can start as far back as you want. There's no, you just, there's only, you just can't cross lines. 
So if you're thinking, Mike, if you think you need to start at 16 feet just for the hatchet, you can do that. So when I throw them, my foot cannot go past the line. I have my body has to be behind the line. Just your foot. So if just you, my foot. Okay. Yeah. So that's so, what he was talking about. You can lean into it, right? And, and yeah. you and I were discussing that down at Hoffman's. You're like, what? Someone was giving you shit about like leaning forward and and releasing before you step down or something like that. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's gray areas, and I'll play them all the time. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Spoken like a true East Coaster. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And then, uh, so give us the once over then on the scoring. So you talked about the bullseye, and then you talked about what's the what's the, the black hole or the death hole or whatever you call it in the corner. <laughs> oh, what's, man, I like that. So it's Sat- called uh, Satan's Suck Hole. <laughs> World Axe Throwing League, it's called the Kill Shot. I, or, I'm going to go W-A-T-L-I-A-T-F. I'm not trying them all. The I-A-T-F, it's called the clutch. So on every fifth throw, so the kill shot and the clutch are both worth two more than the bullseye. So basically, you are able to tie the match. So if I'm down by two points on Roy on the fifth throw, he goes bullseye, hits it, I go clutch or kill shot, to tie it up. So then we go into tiebreaker. IATF, you'd go for big axe. WATL, you would actually just go for the little guy again. So and then is with that scoring system, you have the bullseye in the middle then, is there the rings around that that are worth various uh, amount of points, or does that depend on what we're talking about? Say, say that again to cut out for a second. So, like, we have the bullseye in the middle that's going to be worth five or six points, whatever that looks like. Is there the rings around it then that go down, like, say, three, two, one, or how does that work? Yes, so IATF has three rings on their board and a clutch, so it's five, three, one. And then the World Axe Throwing League has six, four, three, two, one. So the, the waddle board is – so all the boards are set up with two by, uh, five two-by-tens. Two-by-ten is in the – one's in the center with the bullseye, and then it fans out. The WATL takes up all those. The IATF only takes up the three center. But it's – if anyone's in there, you can stick at some point on that board. All right. That's pretty cool. Um so you had mentioned there real briefly about what we have going on then next week as far as with the competition and stuff like that. Give us the, the once over on what that is, uh, who that's through, what that's looking like, what's going on. So both organizations have leagues. So it's the new dart league, bowling league, whatever you want to call it. So each one at the end of the year, has a championship. So this Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, out in Tucson, Arizona, Splitting Timber Axe Throwing Venue is hosting the World Axe Throwing League Championship. So based, so you have to qualify that throughout the year. So if you enter league and play in the league all year, or you just enter one league, and then you're the top 12 of all the throwers of anyone playing in the World Axe Throwing League, 
and you win your local championship. So if you go join a league, Miller, it's anywhere from 10 to 30 people. And then at the end of the season, you not only have to be tied or higher than all the other people that across the world and beat everyone at your venue to qualify. So they do that four times a year. Then through the different tournaments. So they have sanctioned World Axe Throwing League tournaments throughout the year. I won the Arnold Classic, so I qualified through that. Um, the winner from last year for the World Axe Throwing League Championship also qualified, and there was four more championships after those that people qualified through. So I think it's... 54 P qualified, 54 people qualified through either winning a championship at, at, at an open tournament or their bid through the regular season. Then what they're doing is something a little unique. So let's say you're five hours from a venue, you have a backyard target and you want to throw. They are offering a wild card. There's 10 slots, 64 people going for a wild card slot. Good grief. So, yeah. So, but the, the, the thing is, both these organizations, you go to worldaxlearningleague.com, and I think it's interax.com or nationalax.com, you can find all the specifications, all the rules, subframe, how to build out. Basically, if you want to open a venue, mm-hmm. everything's there, except don't do that. People are opening them too much. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, so this, so th- this wild card thing sort of interests me because so can I go grab a hatchet and get into this thing and then like I can be the guy out of nowhere, the wild card, so, the man that they gave no it, shot to, and I'm going to be in two zones. Absolutely. <laughs> so they so they still they did say they did. You're an idiot, Miller. <laughs> I was thinking that we, we have a movie on our hands. Oh, my God. That the man comes out of nowhere. They gave him no shot. He had never thrown hatchets before. He vaults right up through the ranks, and he goes, and he takes down the champ, John Bradley. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it has it has possibilities. There's a good yeah. backstory there. We just had him on the podcast. I set him up. He gave me all the info. I took it. I ran with it. I go and then it's and ten, ten people would watch that. <laughs> That's it's it. almost it's like a modern day Rocky. I'm telling you right now. I was I, waiting. I was waiting for the reference because yep. you were building it up. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. So now, how many times then? So this is like the, the big event then next week. So how many like how many years now have we had the big event? Is this like two, three, four? Like am I so far behind that I, I don't know <laughs> this where is we the at? Th- this is the third one for the World Axe Throwing League. Uh, yeah. So that's so, you're three years behind on that one. <laughs> so do they have is it uh yeah. is it uh guys and girls in the same league or is are they separated by by gender or is it just no, whatever? How does it go? There there's there there's nothing separating anyone. The only thing is age restriction and that's sort of insurance purposes. Um, a lot of venues don't allow under 18, under 21, depending on their legality. Some offer as lo- young as 
uh, 12 to compete, but wow. there's... Could you imagine getting beat by a 12-year-old? <laughs> if they had if they had the skill, bring it on. I, oh, I, my I, God. I don't know how I'd react, but you have the talent. Come on in. Yeah, it's it's on an equal playing field. There's well, that's no cool. restrictions, age, height, weight. You know, you have somebody like, you know, two people like you guys, disparity in size, but... Roy could take it all day. It doesn't matter how big you are. Look, yeah, I'm a non I'm a non-bearded guy. Everyone assumes I'm going to be burly and wearing flannel. You you can't grow facial hair. No, this is like <laughs> this is like a week's worth. I'm just too lazy to shave off this. I'm going sh- to shave on Saturday. You got to look, look clean good. and classy, baby. <laughs> got to look good. <laughs> so I just want to point out something really obvious here, really quickly. Um, so whenever you said you know, for whatever whatever the time frame was, backyard, beers, dump, and yep. fast forward to 2019, whenever you were going through, here's the distance, here are the targets, here are the points, and then you start breaking it down by this championship. I mean, there's a lot of rules and a lot of freaking things and moving parts from backyard to where we are t- today. And, and it whenever you're explaining it, I mean – just seems really complicated just to be able to get into one of these championships. And, and maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe, I mean, you're like, you're really close to it. So you're just like, ah, nothing you go and compete. So is there like a national database for everyone that's joined a league for WATL or whatever? Yep. Yep. I guess that both, makes it a little both easier. Both, both organizations have an online baseball card for you. All your stats are there. They know how many perfect games you have, how many things you hit, what percentage you hit bullseye, what percentage you hit clutch, kill shot, blah, 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 on down the line. So let's go over, let's go over John Bradley's stats. Go, 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 go. (laughs) Well, last season I finished number one in the World Axe Throwing League, so that's all the stats we need for right now. Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) Damn, baby. There it is right there. Roy's, so, Roy's, trying to, Roy's trying to bust my stones. I can't let him have it all. <laughs> so with those, the, the database and the cards and stuff like that, so basically that's all kept, which is I did not know that. I had no idea. So is there like a yearly pretty consistent ranking system then? So we got we got John is currently ranked number one. We got Roy is ranked 27th. We got Mike is still trying to get a wild card berth, stuff like that. Is that like how that goes? Yes, yeah, so when we go to the tournament for this weekend, what they're going to do, since everyone qualified at different times, and there's not a 100% exact way to rank everyone perfectly for a tournament like this, because we're basically assembling the top 64 throwers that have thrown a uh, waddle, we're actually going to do 40 qualifying throws for seeding, or 40 seeding throws. And whoever throws the best and the worst, that's how they're going to be seated out for the qualifiers. For the that tournament. seems fair. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, because there's other guys that qualified eight months ago. There's guys that just qualified. Things change. So, and a couple guys missed leagues. Other guys didn't. You know, it's it. You have everyone has life. You know, it, a league is. Eight weeks long, seven 
regular season weeks, and then week eight is playoffs. Basically, the only two weeks you can't miss if you want to, you know, get your full value out of it is week seven and week eight. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they give you two weeks to miss basically at any point in time. Most places do it from like six to nine at night. Those seven weeks, if you got to take a week off because you're going on vacation or, you know, you got to go to an accident event, you take that week off and just make up the games the next week. So instead of, so it's usually four games of the night. You just play six or eight depending on how many you need to make up. And then weeks by week seven, week seven, if you can make up all your games, good luck. If not, you just lose the points for that. And then in week eight, this is all during regular season. So you're ranked amongst each other. So if the three of us were to play all season with everyone else, we'd be ranked one, two, three, four, five, six on that small individual basis. So as much as you'd love to try to get everyone together on a national database, average is basically the only way you can tell how well throws somebody throws all the time because if you and I tie every match there's there's not a basis to tell somebody that you're the you're a phenomenal thrower I'm a phenomenal thrower but I lose every time to you even though I threw a perfect game against you every single throw so average over a season's a pretty good way to go sure 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 makes sense so I've seen a couple times um, online with some of the pictures, like whenever they're trying to determine where that axe is actually hit. So has there ever been any times where like that axe is so close to that bullseye, like it, it has to be like, what if it's like just barely nicking the paint, but not quite like, how does that all go down? Like, do we got to bring in the official judge or how does that work? Just the tip. <laughs> I had to throw it in there, baby. <laughs> so World Axe Throwing League is just the tip. So all you got to do is touch paint. <laughs> I just touch paint. <laughs> just touch the red. <laughs> they got little blue balls on the top of for you, blue, for you, Roy. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. IATF, you have to have majority of the blade in. So this is, becomes a little more complicated. They actually have calibers to measure the blade. Yeah, Roy's face is doing exactly yeah. what we all do. The big eye roll. I'm going to yep. fall out of my seat because my head's spinning back. Like, come on. So, um, so when the blade lands on the board, whatever's on the surface, so if it's angled in funky, it's not just the sharp part. It's whatever's on the surface of the board. And wherever the lines line up, if you got to measure all four points, you measure them all. And that's how you determine whether it's a bullseye or not. So, Miller, to your point where you're asking, is there an adult around? So there's a person that's judge, judging your match. And then basically you call for a second opinion. We usually like to bust their balls and click, hey, we need an adult. But, yes, Jeez. there is some. There is always somebody a little higher to make the final decision. Uh, has there ever been like any kind of heated exchanges then? Like if we're getting in like tournament tournament time and we're down to like you know a couple throws and like no, this is definitely this is definitely touching paint. And then your other competitors like no, no, it's not. Like 
We ever had anything like that? <laughs> Big controversies dun, dun, in the dun. world of axe throwing. Yeah. So fortunately, I've seen them at like league with somebody who's newer or socially awkward where they just but on a big venue, so you see disappointment in people's face. They're pissed, but it's never really a blow up. You know, you can visibly see that they didn't like that call. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's black and white. It was in or it was out. So most people go that in the back of mind, no matter how pissed you are and you want it to be in your favor, you go, fuck. All right. That's <laughs> All right, yeah, it probably wasn't in. They're right. Let's move on. So are there any big, like, rivalries? Has has anything um, shown up yet, or is it just too early? Like, John Bradley's nemesis. I'm not I'm not asking you to, like, name names or anything, but are there, like, some rivalries or, I don't know, just... Yes and no. Uh, one of the other guys that's top-seeded with me for this tournament, mm-hmm. we went to high school together four years oh. apart, so... It's crazy that where we are in Philadelphia has two of the top throwers hmm. going to this that went to the same high school. So is it a rivalry? I don't think so, but it's it's fun to play about or talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, let's let's. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you got other questions, Miller, but I want to like I want to ask. Um, I'm sure, whatever many, you want to do, Roy. I, thank you. Thank you. Uh, how many people are doing this <laughs> full-time professionally, or has it gotten to that level yet? <laughs> the only person I know that was stupid enough to quit their job is me. What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a few months ago, I had an opportunity that sort of fell through. So I, I, well, I quit all my jobs for that. It fell through, and I said, well, I don't want to go back working. So I fortunately to win – a reasonable amount of money throwing axes. There's been a couple tournaments. So if people want to hear numbers because they always ask date and price, right? Yeah. So a bunch of tournaments are worth 5000 5000 5000 Uh There's been about $10,000, $5,000 tournaments. I haven't won them all. I'm just saying that these have existed. Most recent one I won was for $7,500. Dang! Which is insane. I I shouldn't win that much money for throwing an axe against the wall. And then there's two tournaments coming up. The one on Sunday, the winner gets $15,000. Jeez Louise. And the IATF championship, which is in February, third weekend in February, it's a $50,000 prize pool. Holy shit. Winner gets 20K. It's Canadian, so it's probably like 16 or $17, but... (laughs) It, it's a lot of money. There's there's a lot of money out there. Somebody's putting about, I mean, that's about what I think fifty. It's about forty thousand dollars on the table for that one, and that pays out to the thirty second place. So there's wow. not not only the prize pools getting larger, but they're paying out deeper. So mm-hmm. I could see somebody potentially because if you can get top five at every tournament, you're getting five, six, seven hundred dollars, and they're once twice a month get some sponsors. I mean, for me, fortunately, I'm purchasing, selling, buying, hanging axes, which is supplementing my income. Yeah. And then if people are opening a venue, I've gone down, done consulting, help them set up, train their staff, 
build things out right and try to get everything started off. So would I say be able to just throw and do nothing else? Not just yet, but am I able to use competitive axe throwing to pay my bills? Yes. So you're, you're, I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like you're building a, a John Bradley brand where, like, well, you and I have talked offline about uh, different different uh, axes you like to throw, particularly the Plum National and the Norland. Uh, the is it the Voyager? Yeah, probably the Voyager. Um, no, just the, the, regular, the, Hudson, the Hudson Bay, whatever, Tomahawk, whatever. Yeah, just regular guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the Tomahawk. Um, well, it's but, seven inches. It's not the not as small as the Tomahawk, so it's the full size. Tomahawk's still like six. I, I don't I don't know those specs. That, <laughs> that, we're, we're getting into Chris Killinger's here. I was like, where's Killer at? God damn it. <laughs> but I mean, so what you're saying is, so you're throwing your restore. Are you are you doing restorations also, yeah. or just or custom profiling and grinds? Because talk us talk us through the geometry and why those two pieces are are desirable right now. Uh, Plum National is desirable because people know about it. The, not a lot of people throw the Norland except for me and some other crazy people because of the price on it. Yeah, uh, the Plum National. You can still pick them up at a yard sale. Somebody's uncle has one. But the biggest thing is it weighs a little more than most other axes at the top end of the weight scale. But it's not too much that you can't throw it all day. And the profile is it's a full four-inch blade. And the way it sweeps it, it's more round versus... One that shall not be named that has tips. Yeah. Most people like that rounded because you get it doesn't bounce off as easily. So if you land this one flat against the board, if you mm-hmm. have basically a, a flat blade like a half hatchet, mm-hmm. it'll bounce the axe off the board. So the round helps make up for that. Um, and they're pretty. They're a good looking axe. They weigh one between one pound ten ounces, one pound twelve ounces. Uh, if you get an older axe, the best thing to do is never to destroy the stamp. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of these guys go nuts. But you basically take an older axe and turn it into a kitchen knife. The thing so is you – Explain that. So the, the axes come fat. <laughs> the the they have sh- uh, the shoulder along the blade. You want it thin because when you want to stick in the board, the thinner the better. Um. So how how are you how are you thinning out the profile down from a standard cutting edge? So we're probably talking nineteen to twenty two degrees or something like that. Um, to to something that could fillet a fish. How are you doing that? Uh, I'm, uh, you, know, you don't you don't have you don't have to tell me like exact like are you? Well, well no no so. <clears throat> Uh, so fortunately, last year I hooked up with Multitool USA. They sent me a bunch. They sent me a bunch of grinders. I use those. Um, when you do it, you basically try to fan it along the way. You don't try to make a rough stopping point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try to make it as long. Like I got a flying fox here. 
mm-hmm. that I thinned out. But as you can see, I brought the grind all the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I brought the grind back from the blade edge about two inches to make it as thin as far back as possible. So when you're grinding these things out, they're already coming hard. So I'm sitting there doing three or four at a time trying to get the profile down to almost look like a kitchen knife. You know, it's a it's a butter knife. It goes from a normal axe to a very thin Scandi grind or whatever you would call it. I don't know the exact terms. But, you know, even though no matter how many times I'm dunking them, trying to make sure they don't get hot, you still just put them on the side and keep going. A lot of guys are using just angle grinders and a flap disc, which is great. Yeah, it just takes a long time. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a way. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. But when they get, when they start to get into like, you know, plums, Norlands, I just try to encourage these guys not to get rid of the stamps. Or if it's on the original handle, sell it back on eBay, buy one that's a little more junked up, and throw that one. That way, you know, it's it's a nice balance between bringing an axe back to life and then destroying something that's, you know, sort of a part of history or still good. So do you have a preference um, now that you've been throwing for a while and you and we've been talking about Norlin and, and Plum quite a bit? Do you have – is one – do you favor one over the other right now? So, I retired both of those axes. Aww. I, I throw my Hoffmans, man. Yeah. I went. I yeah. I went, made the axes. I throw the axes. When Liam and I forge the axes together, they're my main throwers. I don't oh, that's throw. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a user, man. I don't. I'm not. I'm not putting that on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah for I sure. Spend all that time to have it hang on the wall. Maybe when I'm close to dead. But for now, I'm using my Hoffman axes, but the most recent one I threw was the Norland. I like that way better than the Plum National. It just, for me, the weight distribution, the for as you want the axe to rotate the way I throw, the head just does it for me. Mm-hmm. So with it being, I think a Plum National is six inches. From pole yeah. to edge. Yeah, from pole to edge, and a Norlin's about seven. So that little bit of length for me helped it rotate faster. Other people will talk. Now, this is if you start axe throwing, it's sort of like you guys in collecting. It seems like every axe throw has about 15 to 20 axes in their arsenal. Really? Because you. You see somebody throwing like a half hatchet, and mm-hmm. the weight distribution in that is because the hammer on the back is a little higher. So maybe for the way you throw, it's better to have that. Each person is slightly different when you get in there. There's entry-level axes, newer axes. I mean, the best axe to come out that's not a vintage and actually American made is probably the flying fox, but you still needed to work to the edge. You know, uh, you still need to thin it out. It's still too, still too fat. Having, having that point on the front and then mm-hmm. the shoulders back, it's not, that's not the best for throwing, especially on newer boards or hard pine, depending on where you are. But yeah, so you do, you, thin. do you have an, do you have an angle gauge? I mean, you can go grab one off of a, off of Amazon, Made in America, 
put it on there. This is the John Bradley grind. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I potentially could, but I don't know. I just basically, I basically just grab the blade and just go, is that thin enough? <laughs> or, or you just, That's... or you just look down and you go, yeah, I, I could use That's that good. to play a fish. <laughs> Shit. So how many, how many, how many axes do you have now? Cause I know that you you started getting into collecting and stuff. I mean, it seems like once you get into something, like it just kind of snowballs and it seems that that's kind of going on with you right now. Is that, I mean, is that a fair statement? I think 150 would be about the right number. And not all hatchets, right? No, I have a bunch of double bits bunch of hewing axes your favorite God. Uh, uh, but I really don't you know I have one paper label but it's not even an axe <laughs> what does that mean like the the the, th- the only thing that I collected that actually like might be collectible is this guy oh yeah so for the uh, Norlin what... rock hammer or a pick I forget what they called it but prospector pick. Prospector pick, yeah. Still got the orange. The yeah. handles broke. But best five dollars I ever spent. Or how how rare are those? Do you know that, Miller? I don't think that there's that many around. Obviously, we don't have our expert with us. I know Killer will immediately be contacting John as soon as he hears this right now. But <laughs> there, uh, there's that, and then there's that older, what the the tomahawk, like the actual tomahawk, tomahawk. Looking one mm-hmm. that's not marked. And I thought, I think? yeah, and I thought he told me those two were sort of the hardest to find. There's also a knife, I believe, that is out there. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty mm-hmm. hard, but those were like the two or three that were the hardest, and especially with his, with the paper label, but then also having the, uh, the original orange on top, like that yeah, yeah. tape. Um, you don't yeah. see those. So you just, bought it, you bought it without the handle all busted up? Yeah, it came that way. Yeah. That's why it was five bucks. Yep. Because people put no value on stuff without a handle. Yeah. I think it says four twenty five on the handle. I paid too much. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it says four twenty five. I don't know if you guys can read that. <laughs> what were you saying, Miller? Does anybody throw saddle axes? So Ooh, that's we a good don't, question. We don't have any organization that is organized for double bits yet. I people throwing them. I have. They're fun. I was throwing a double bit the other night. I was throwing a saddle axe a couple weeks ago because I got a hold of one of the council ones. They were fun, but there's just no one. No one's throwing them competitively in a league yet that I know of. There are European double bits organizations, but nothing has been brought over here i think it's just the distance uh to throw a double bit you need a lot of height and you you're generally about 20 some feet away for the full-size double bits but a cruiser i just think that's no one no one wrote down the rules so no one's aware of it so no one's collecting it because if you look at your actual traditional old school saddle axes like collins made them you know, they're tiny. I mean, you could probably make an argument that they would weigh the same or less than like a Plum National pattern. Those those original Collins saddle axes 
are tiny. So that just comes to mind that that might make a good thrower compared to like the newer council saddle axes. Those would be a beast compared to mm-hmm. those old Collins ones. But, um, so one thing in the rules that they do have written single blade. Okay. So I took a two Atahi, turned it into a one blade. So I, I don't even know what the thing is to show you. So I took off the back, blunted it. It's like a half an inch thick on the back, but it still looks like a double bit. Only yeah. one side of the blade was actually Sharpened. sharp. Yeah. They called bullshit on it because it looked too much like a uh, double bit. I mean, that's what I was going for. It looked badass, but they didn't like it. So. <laughs> couple other questions. Now, maybe you might have already answered this, and if you did, I apologize. So next week, then, when we're at the the showdown, whenever you are throwing against, you know, Johnny in the next lane, are you guys throwing the same exact axe, or are you throwing what you want, and is he throwing what he wants? Correct. We are throwing what the axe we brought with us. Okay. All right. So um, there are a couple places that make you throw their house axes, but nowhere for a tournament has yet to make you do that. Okay. So do now, people... Oh, oh, go ahead, Miller. When, when you guys are throwing, then, are there, like, gentleman rules or unwritten rules? Like, do you guys not throw right at the same time? Or, like, if you throw, then do you wait for the other guy? Or, like, can you walk and go get your hatchet while the other guy's throwing? Like, what's what's that look like? So it's actually, that's actually in the rules, It's but it's also gentlemanly, as you said, or sportsmanlike. Uh, one of the sportsmanlike things that you have is at the beginning of every match... Tap God, axes. God, <laughs> tapping tips. What the hell? Yeah, it's, you tap axes. It's basically a shake, handshake between the beginning. And then as you throw, you throw simultaneously, generally within a few seconds of each other. You don't, you try not to throw too far ahead of the person so you can see what they score or not to, to adjust for your throw. But if you do go for a clutch or kill shot, you have to call that ahead of time. So you cannot watch Roy throw a four instead of a bull and then go bull to tie him or kill shot to, to beat him. Like there's there, that disparity in the point system doesn't allow for that to happen. And then one of the things in the rules is you cannot go get your axe until the other person's already thrown. Okay. There have, there have been a few rebounds. And if you guys watched Instagram or whatever, there's been a few rebounds. People have caught them. People dodged out of the way. But that can happen. So the further back you are, the more you can. So yeah, I did. I, I did see that video. Uh, I think it was an East Wing. Um, they got circulated around quite a bit. Yep. She's a really awesome girl. I know the guys that work at that venue. And freak thing to happen. Yeah. Is that the one where like she didn't even hit the board, it landed short, yep. come back and almost took her head off? Yep. Is that the one? Okay. Um, yeah, that was in Denver, Colorado, if you were wondering. <laughs> so think, no major no major accidents, injuries thus far? Uh, none that I heard of. I mean, I got a few stitches, but that's all me being stupid. That's easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, that was, they're not, I wasn't even throwing at the time. It's just axe related, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. We all have that. Hmm. Interesting. Does anybody throw underhanded? Yes, but most of the time it's because of an injury or some kind of limitation. 
it's not because it's just going against gravity. If you throw down, gravity's your friend versus throwing up. It's there's a lot of guys that have tried it for seasons to have fun, but I don't know anyone that that's that consistent with it that will compete that way. Hmm. But it is fun to do. We do uh, skills competitions where underhand is one part of them. So not only like so what we're talking about so far is solely the one verse one traditional written rule, and then there's been all sorts of games created manipulating the scoring to do like a version of blackjack or where you have to hit every ring in a sequence, you know, mm-hmm. like base baseball on a dartboard. So there's all sorts of things popping up and manipulation of like one and a half rotation. So you flip the hat, the blade towards you, throw it. So it rotates an extra half time or what about throwing the double up. rotation? Oh, dude, that's great. Yeah. Indoor, indoors, depending on the venue, most venues you can't get more than like three rotations that are just not long enough or high enough. Like freestyle trick shot category, like that sort they're, of they're, fun stuff. They're, they're, but that's subjective right now. So we're, they're trying to figure out a way to judge it. Cause there's a guy that's won two of them. He's really, he's really good at the trick shot. So I'm not taking away from him. He was actually on, some morning TV show, Steve Harvey show, where he can juggle axes and then <laughs> then throw one and then catch the other two. It's pretty impressive. Wow. And generally he smokes the bullseye every time. Just oh, I, thought you're gonna, I thought you were going to say smokes the bowl every time. <laughs> All right. You can uh, have the oh, bowl. I, mean, I don't know how his fiance would feel about that, but whatever. <laughs> but God. yeah, there's all... There's different ways, and we're just for the trick shot, like stuff like that. There's not really a because uh, not everyone would be doing the juggling, and not everyone would be doing the exact same trick shot. So how do you measure that? Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out how to do that because one guy threw a bullseye with his toe. What? <laughs> Put the axe between his toes, and I thought you had to have closed toe shoes on every venue. There was. I guess- a- that was a trick shot thing. I think they allowed a... Uh, Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, I saw this one guy whenever I went. Um, we we went uh, to this venue after Blade Show. And I don't know if this guy was trying to do a trick shot. Well, I know he wasn't. He was a fool. He would take the axe and throw it like a baseball, <laughs> like sidearm, and it would hit the freaking handle every single time. Not to mention that he was wearing a popped collar, so screw that guy. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things that that guy did wrong, and it's a point that it's great to bring up, when you go to these venues, put away everything you ever knew about throwing everything. It's not a football. It's not a baseball. You don't need to throw it as hard as you can. It's more like a dart than it is anything else. Just listen to the person coaching you, and you'll stick every time. You know, the, these guys come in trying to throw them as hard as they can, <clears throat> all manly and yeah. hopped up, pop my collar. I'm not going to listen to anyone, but you didn't stick. So what was the point of mm-hmm. doing that? No, just go in there, listen to the person, and enjoy. You know, have fun with it. 
And also, don't forget your six-pack. <laughs> what, what are you doing over there, Miller? You look... So, I think it would be uh, poor of myself to not ask this question. So, we have Mr. John Bradley with us. How many Bradley axes do you own? Oh, none. So, that's obviously something that needs to be fixed. Yes. How many Are you familiar with Bradley axes at all? Yes. I've searched. Okay. I've looked. I've tried. Because those would actually make sense because, you know, in the traditional Bradley imprint or logo, it has the B with the arrow. So you sort of get that, you know, that sort of wow. sense of, you know, the, the shot, axe throwing, sort of all ties together. So that would be pretty cool. I don't know if I've ever – I think I have – I have axes. I don't know if I have a Bradley hatchet. I want to say that I do, but I, I don't know. I'll have to look at that. But that would be uh, – that would be interesting. Now, they are somewhat popular, especially in the Northeast, but, um, yeah, I would be uh, I would be at fault if I did not ask that question. Yeah, unfortunately, I do not own one. I definitely have been looking, and either they're garbage or some kind of price I just wasn't willing to pay. Yeah, they depending on the how good that the imprint of the logo is, they, they can command some money. So, um, I'm what not are the questions? I'm not familiar with that, Bradley. I've never, I've never seen one or I know nothing about it. I don't know much about those New England axes. That's like my weakest, my weakest area. I'm just not really interested in them. I don't know. Weird like that. Whatever. What kind of liability do these places have? That's one of the things I think about. So like if I get a group of guys together and we're going down to the axe throwing venue, like, when we go rolling in there, do I got to sign, like, hey, if something happens to me, I'm not suing the world? Yep. Even if you're not throwing, just to enter the building generally or past a certain point. So some of these places do have a bar, which is full functioning. So you sign a, a waiver to go past the bar, basically. So you can still go in there and drink as a normal person. But if you want to go throw an axe or even just go over to hang out with your friends by the boards and things like that, you still have to sign a waiver. It's set up very similar to batting cages, so the amount of people getting hurt, I mean, I haven't, like I said, I, and I have scars, but they're all not actually throwing related. It's me being an idiot with the axe. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. very interesting because in, in today's world, unfortunately, you got to think about all that stuff and you know, oh, yeah. got to get signed, sealed, and all that. So if you talked about putting two things together from a legality standpoint that might not make that much sense is, hey, let's go drink a sixer and then throw some hatchets around. Yeah, but it's usually you're not – you're there for two hours. It's six packs. You're usually leaving with two beers. You're not well, there. To... Well, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> How about just hang out for a little while? After you get a couple in you, do you find that you throw better? I don't drink when I throw. He's straight okay. professional. Pro tip. Pro tip of the week coming from John Bradley himself. If you want to be a good axe thrower and you want to be remain competitive, don't drink while you're throwing. There you go. Pro At tip of the week. League, I'll enjoy myself, have a couple beers, usually at the drive homes, but uh, John Bradley just cut out. He's frozen. Drink Monster or Red Bull or whatever's available. 
So you know where we're going. You know where we're going here, Miller. We're talking about drinking. We got we got to do the on air taste test from our boy. Uh, oh, uh, I think I very think, deeply. Yes, I name, think very deeply. From, is his uh, name George? George, yeah. George out in the Pacific Northwest. So for you guys that have been listening, we're not going to go into this too in depth. Everybody knows about my feelings with IPAs or the lack thereof. Um, delish, delish. I, I hate. IPAs, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm not really a hateful guy, but I hate IPAs. Oh <laughs> so, George said, listen, I'm going to send you this beer. It's going to change your life. This is going to convert you over to the sisterhood of the IPA. The lovers. sisterhood. Shut your face. So, what he sent here, this is called a Fremont, and it's from Seattle, and it's called the Interurban, and uh, has a picture of a... Uh, Let's see, a train car on it, which for an IPA, I thought that they would have put a caboose on there, but that's okay. Oh, my God. Um, says, uh, you know, you got to pack it out, pack it in. Interesting. Family-owned craft brewery founded in 2009 to brew artisan beers made with the best local ingredients we can find. Okay. So, Fremont Brewing, Seattle, Washington. So, here we go. This has been cold. I've had this thing in the fridge all week. We're going to... Uh, Okay, 10.05 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Chug, 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 chug. Oh, my God, that smells... Delicious. <laughs> oh. You should see Mike Miller's face. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. It gets better the second time. Exactly. He's gritting his teeth, people. I don't know why you would put... Why? <laughs> Let's make my eyes water. Oh my god, you so, son of a bitch! I just I don't like that bitter. I don't want to feel like I'm getting poisoned whenever I drink a beer. You, I guess I'm, that's my I'm I'm telling you, like I said last week, you have to drink, Ooh. go down to the second one, and it tastes it loses that bitterness on the back end, um, and then it just becomes really really drinkable and pretty darn good. What kind of beer do you like there, uh, John Bradley? All of them. Uh, the, the cold kind? The cold kind, yeah. Preferred IPAs are the go-to. Uh, normal beer of choice, just for regular, is Coors Banquet. What? I've never heard of this. The Banquet yeah. beer. Yeah. Little bomber bottles, they're great. Yeah. And then... Oh, uh God, I, I see mean, a bromance uh, budding now. <laughs> Pretty, it's Amen. like the old original Coors, like back in the day, it was called yeah. the Banquet Beer. It's a, it sort of got that nickname, and it was the original Coors, and then Coors Light obviously spawned off of that. But the old original, like one of the first Coors, was that Banquet Beer, and they put them in the little, I call them like a grenade, is what yeah. it looks like. Very huh. good. Uh, and good beer. Yeah, good, good beer. beer. A lot uh, better gen- than this, uh, whatever this is. Yeah. <laughs> That's liquid gold in a can, and you're uh, disgracing I it. I don't know about that. I don't know it, what I it is. I can still taste it. It like won't go away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Miller, so you, Miller, your you don't face like is the... fantastic. Oh, God. The guy that doesn't like the taste of beer. <laughs> Jesus. It's, a, it's all right, I Miller. feel like I'm getting poisoned right now. That's what I feel like. I mean, that's that stuff's worse than, like, cough medicine or cold medicine when I was a kid. Well... 
Do me a favor. Just put it in the fridge, and the next time we see each other, I'll gladly take it off your hands. If you pour that stuff down the sink, I'm going to be really pissed. No, I'll drink it. This is actually worse than that. What's the other one? All day IPA? All day IPA, yeah. All right. I, I agree with him, though. All day is not very good. It takes, like, the third one to make it drinkable. It's So I don't think it's very good, only because it it's selling itself as an IPA, but it's so watered down that you barely get any of that hoppy flavor. So it's like a it's like a hoppier lager. It, I mean, it just doesn't do anything at all for me. Just don't even call it an, an IPA. So just a little a little follow up here to the Fremont story. So I've been talking to George this week. Um, he has a hell of an axe collection, by the way. Yeah, um, he does. A lot I of great to... products, uh, a lot of great axes, I should say. Uh, friends with Larry McPhail from Axe Makers in North America. He got quite a few of his pieces. Anyways, so the beer train is going to roll on because I said to him, have you ever heard of a beer called Yingling? Yeah. And he said that he had not. And I said, uh, well, we're going to fix that. So I'm going to send him a sixer of Yingling so that he can have the uh, the pride of Pennsylvania and the oldest brewery in America. So we'll see what he says about that. It'll be interesting because Yingling obviously is a little bit of a different beast than mm-hmm. Bud Light, Miller Light, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be interesting to see what he says about that. I saw I saw a really cool um, like Sunday special on like the Today Show or something over the summer. They had an interview with the ladies that are running that uh, brewery. And um, there's like a big cave um, that was walled off during Prohibition and everything. And um, so uh, here in Kentucky, we only get two varieties or maybe three varieties of yingling. Um and they're all they're all pretty good, but this the show they were they only have sixteen, eighteen different varieties of beer. I'm kind of like Sam Adams. I mean, if you if you go over there, there there's a blazillion of them. Um, but I I actually like Yingling. I think it's pretty darn good. You don't like it, Bradley? No, not at all. Not at all. But it's okay. Is- Yingling Premium is fine because it's like a golden ale. Yingling Lager is like an Oktoberfest. So it's I'm different. Just, it's a little, a little thicker, a little thicker, um, little syrup, little syrupy for me. Yeah. But yeah. Yingling premium there, that's, that's the way to go. Now, uh, what about, what about John? If I say to you, Straub beer, I've had it. Uh, just don't really see it. I would, you know, I would enjoy it as a, you know, Classic shit beer of choice. <laughs> Enjoy it if you had to. I, I might actually buy it on purpose if I see it, but yeah, yeah I would know what I'm getting, and it's just going to be crap beer. Have you ever heard of Straub, Roy? No, I haven't. I it's know. a local yokel, Pennsylvania. So it's an older brewery. It's uh, out by like St. Mary's, Pennsylvania, which is out in the middle, uh, up by the Allegheny National Forest. So they've been around for a long time but is one of those older breweries that's been around and they have uh, what's known as the, they have two main lines. They have a green and a brown. So they, their bottles are green and brown. Okay. That's how they're traditionally known, but it's, it's okay. It's nothing to write home to mama about, but um, just a couple local yokel varieties here. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, so. So you're a fan of Sam Adams, right? Me? A couple of their varieties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like, I really like regular Sam Adams. Obviously, Oktoberfest. Um, I've never found a better Oktoberfest. I've tried a bunch. Mm-hmm. 
but I really like that. Now, they get off into some tangents, like some weird stuff. I'm not too crazy about that. I mean, I'll drink one if I have it. Now, probably, do you know what their worst beer ever created is? You're probably going to say, like, the Rebel IPA or something like that. Is I didn't even know that they had that, so that just went to number one on the list. There was Jeez. a, what is it, Sam 76? Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Cut. <laughs> so, I just, just uh, two weeks ago, uh, I was down in Madison, and I found a, a 12-pack of Sam Adams Hazy New England IPA, and it was freaking delicious. I mean, really, really good. Do you like the Hazy IPAs, Bradley? Yeah. We're all I just over think- here. Yeah, that one, I haven't had that yet. I've only had, like, the creeks and the sours that Sam Adams makes. But generally, my sister drives back from Boston, brings me a bunch of hazies on the way from different places up there, too. So, yeah, I haven't had the, had the crazy ones from Sam yet. The thing that I like about Sam Adams is it's really good quality beer, and it tends to be cheaper than most of the others. I mean, just their Boston lager, I think it's great. Um Everything, I'm not a sour guy at all, but everything that I've tasted by Sam Adams is pretty darn good. I think they're one of one of the most underrated beer companies right now. I don't know, just my my opinion. One of. <laughs> I think they're great. So let's let's wrap up this beer thing then. So George, from I <laughs> oh, think yeah. very deeply, or I think deeply, or. I came to concentrate for what his name is now. This is not going to convert me over to IPAs. I'm sorry. Wah, I, wah, do, wah. I do still love you, George, and I thank you for sending me this. I mean, if anybody else wants to send me beer, hey, I'll try. I mean, that's, hey, that's, I'm not <laughs> here take, to judge. I'll take free beer. Right. Um, I'm just not an IPA guy, which, hey, that's okay. It's Actually, I think I told you this before, Roy. That's a genetic... Thing. Oh my God! Shut your it's face. It's true. There's what. That's why some people like it and some people don't. Show me the study about a genetic predisposition to like or dislike IPA. You're a look freaking fool. You're a I'm fool. telling you right now. Look it up. I have the genetic disposition from all my relatives that said, <laughs> "Hey, I don't want to eat something that's bitter because it's probably poisonous, and I don't want to die." God. Somehow in the evolutionary timeline, you and your IPA lovers lost that, and you're just like, yeah, I'll drink it. Hey, it's it's very, all the lines of cilantro, Roy, it exists. Along the lines of cilantro? Along the lines of cilantro. Cilantro is the same way. Some people like it, some people don't. It tastes like soap to me. There you go. Soap? Yep. My body's yep. like, nah, you don't want to eat this. It's poison. Mm-hmm. Dude, whenever I make guacamole, like there's never enough cilantro. Like, you, I can add as much as I want in there. I think it's freaking amazing. I think uh, what John and I have just proven is that you are a genetic freak. Then no, <laughs> what I think what I have just proven is that there's a bromance going on between the two of you. Oh, we don't like IPA. I know, I know, Bradley, you're saying that you kind of do, but whatever. I know you're doing. IPAs. I worked at a brewery for you. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at about that time. We should probably start our wrap up here. So, John, obviously, I want to say thank you for coming on, being able to talk and educate us about the world of axe throwing, which 
is a world of axes that um, we've never talked about on the podcast. We've talked a little bit about offline. Uh, for myself, I didn't know anything about it, so this past hour has been tremendously educational, and you taught me a lot. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm going to have to try it. I don't know when exactly that's going to be. I might, maybe I'll wait for you to, you know, whenever you're on your tour, on your circuit, we'll meet up in Pittsburgh. And if I, we'll do, if there's one t- tournament out there, I'll let you know. Maybe we'll do a straight up challenge. I'll be the, again, the Rocky sort of thing. I'll be the guy out of nowhere. <laughs> I'll come up and, uh, I'll smoke you. And then God. I'll be ranked number one. There you go. And then we're, this Fremont beer, I think, is already having an effect on me. I'm not oh my God. No, you're, you're always an idiot. Yes. So, John, wrap it up. Let's, let's talk about next week, what you have going on. Let's, let's, uh, make sure that everybody knows about that and, and all those, all that info. So, this, this weekend coming up, the 6th, 7th, and 8th, Saturday is part of the tournament, but Sunday is the big day, 1 p.m. ESPN 2. And if it's not on there, unfortunately, it's on ESPN3, which is their web streaming service. But then it'll be on again that night at 10 o'clock on ESPN2. So you'll see a lot of throwers, a lot of good people, and hope to see me again on there. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate to be able to go to all these tournaments because there's another one coming up in February. So this is the World Axe Throwing League Championship. Late February, like the third week in February, is the IATF Championship. So both these championships are coming up. Please keep a lookout. I mean, I'm fortunate to be able to go to these things. I had a multi-tool USA, multi-tool grinders. They got me a sponsorship, so I'm able to go to all these things and have them help pay my way to this, which is never thought for axe throwing would be a thing. And then you're either going to see it live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, or basically anywhere else that people just have theirs. So mm-hmm. if you look up like the hashtag axe throwing or just go on Facebook and look up World Axe Throwing League or International Axe Throwing Federation, both of those will pop up and you'll see some awesome videos of people throwing and stuff like that. And all the details for these things will just keep coming up. Well, seriously, congratulations on your success. Hopefully you. Uh, you uh continue going down this road and I think, you know, um, with people like you, um, with it becoming more and more popular, it's on ESPN, everything. I just think the, the sport is going to continue to grow. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for knuckleheads like me and Miller to, um, you know, carry over into here's our crazy axe collection and how does it relate to axe throwing? Because not only I think you're a perfect example of it. Yes, you're an axe thrower. But since you've gotten into it, you've started collecting, you like the history, um, and you see the significance of not just an, an axe as a throwing piece. Um, you, I just think it's really cool. I mean, you showed me your wall the other day, and you have tons of heads up there. So I think it's awesome that you're doing it, and wish you all the best luck and success down the road. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely am glad to be here. Hope to bridge between the throwers and the restorers and collectors, because you can still Bring it back to life. You take an older axe and just bring it back. It might not be, maybe it's not a wall piece, but it can still be thrown again. It's an old, old steel, which is great. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Um, we'll be back next week, as always. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you again, John Bradley, Mike Miller. We will catch you guys later.
That's a wrap. All right.